You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. My name is Gabby Ionello. I'm the host of it. Today, I'm really excited about this guest. I've known her for a while, and we're reconnecting, which is awesome. Her name is Michelle Zeiler. She's a love and dating coach. Her program, The Conscious Love Connector, is designed to guide singles as they create conscious relationships full of passion, healthy boundaries, and an open communication. One of her greatest superpowers is her ability to make online dating feel organic, and I know that this is a thing because people... They say like amazing things about you on your website, their testimonials. So I, I don't doubt this one bit. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. So can you kind of get into what your story is? What did you go to school for? How did you fall into becoming basically this like love and dating guru? Yeah. Um, Well, I don't like to call myself a guru, uh, but I definitely help guide people and hold space. So I went to school for business and marketing, actually. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And halfway through, I wanted to switch my major to film and my parents were not really on board. So we compromised on a minor. So I picked up a minor in film and, you know, I stuck with business because it was like the safe thing, right? Like that's what they thought would give me stability and, you know, like the job and the path that people are supposed to quote unquote take. And then after school, I had a couple of jobs, like temp jobs in the city. You know, um, I worked for like a travel agency. Nothing was really fitting. I waited tables for about a year after that. And while I was at one of my serving jobs, I actually was just having lots of conversations, as you do. And this woman and I started talking about yoga. And I had actually enrolled in a yoga teacher training at the time. And the way that we were just talking about mindfulness and everything, and she was like, you know what? I need an assistant. (laughs) And so she hired me. She stuck her neck out for me. And I ended up becoming her assistant at a place called Learning RX, which is a brain training center. Basically, I worked with mostly young kids with learning disabilities and developmental disorders. And I actually, in that time, becoming a brain trainer, was able to wean myself off of ADD medication. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I saw the kids progressing and then like the trainers, we would train each other like at higher levels. The stuff really works, you know, like all those apps and stuff. It's really amazing. After cognitive training, you know, I bounced around a little bit more and then I ran into someone from one of those temp jobs that I had right out of college and she was like a completely different human being. She was super happy, um, super open, completely different energy. And I was like, what, you know, what are you doing? What's, what's new? And she was like, oh, I left Manhattan. I'm working in Jersey now. I'm working at this organization. It's amazing. And so I asked, you know, if she could hook me up and they were hiring. So that's where I started working at a leadership training program for college students. And when I started, it was like my dream job, right? It was like, I get to help people, you know, it's in the same direction of like training people. Like I was brain training. I was, you know, learning to teach yoga. Like, you know, it's all in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. And it was great for a while. You know, like I really felt like I was growing there. I felt like I fit there with the culture. And then, you know, it started to take not like a downturn, but like I just kept trying to grow there and I couldn't. That's the worst when you're capped constantly at a job. I mean, that's the main reason I think I went my own way. And I think that's pretty much why you went your way too. But 
yeah, it's frustrating. We're like, I will literally do anything. I will help you grow. Stop capping me. Like, just let me do the thing. Yeah. Like I applied for some different roles that were open in the company. I came up with projects out of thin air that I thought would make the company better. You know, lots of different things. And I just felt super stuck and the work started to just really stress me out. You know, it went from like mindless to excruciating. Um, It's always fun. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) no fault of theirs. It just wasn't a fit. But at that company, I will say that I did gain some great experience in lots of ways. But one of them was like, I got to do success coaching with college students like around their goals around you know their visions for their careers I also got to do some coaching internally with like different leaders in the organization like working on their communication skills like I was so I was thinking I was going to be like a success coach basically like I was like this is the path for me I'm going to be you know helping people with their careers and their goals and then and then and then I had a huge breakthrough in my personal life I was in a course for communication and my coach gave me an exercise that had nothing to do with the course. It was out of a book called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And it was about creating this love list. And it was very specific how you were to do it. And I had a huge breakthrough. And that's how I met my wife. And then I couldn't shut up about it. <laughs> like Literally, I was just sharing because I was like, wow, this is crazy. I've never experienced a relationship like this before. I've never experienced dating like this before. This is amazing. You know, then people just started coming to me <laughs> and sending other people to me. And then eventually I was like, well, I got to start charging for this. And I guess this is what I'm doing because, <laughs> you know, it just grew organically like that. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's also, like, so funny how, like, you went from, like, almost like an educational, like, a teacher perspective. You're like, okay, I can educate people, right? I can, like, coach them in this type of frame. And then one thing completely pivots the entire picture that you think think is going to be the whole, this this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, this is what we're going with. Yeah, and I don't know that it's going to be the rest of my life, right? I just know that right now it feels really aligned. It's amazing because then I get to see people have that same sort of breakthrough that I had where they're like, oh, I get to feel safe in my relationship and I get to feel free. Like I can say no to someone and Ooh, still fuck yeah. actually, oh <laughs> you know, a, so understated. <laughs> like, what? I can have all of this. So that's amazing. And then, you know, no big deal. I just get to brag about my marriage all day at work. It's awesome. (laughs) I think it's every person's dream. Like if we're honest, I think we all want the money and the fame and all that. But like, I don't know. I find that a lot of people more than anything, they just want the relationship. Like the money will come, the career will come and will change and stuff. But like, if you have your partner for life, your twin flame, if you will, like shit is even better. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that there is a huge misconception about like everyone needs a person. You know, I think we're kind of going away from that and like that pressure to have a person, but like for those people that want it, it's totally possible. And like, I just talk to a lot of people that think you either have to settle or be alone. And that's really not the case. It just takes a little, a little work. This might be a bit of a curveball, but it just came at me. Why do you think past relationships, like generationally, they didn't work, but now they do? Not to say that there's a comparison between like my parents or my grandparents say that their relationship was okay and mine's better. But I find just like you had said, like we're getting to a place of like pure authenticity. You can say no and still feel okay. You can have a disagreement and not end in divorce. Like we're obviously going in a negative direction in some sense, but I feel like we're moving in a positive light. So do you have any take on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite people, I fangirl over her really hard, (laughs) Esther Perel. I don't know if you've heard of her. I haven't. Yeah, definitely check her out. She talks about this and how this is a completely new age of relationships because if you think about it in the past, before like the, I think she says 50s or 60s. So this is not very old, this concept of like enjoying your marriage. Marriages were just for procreation. And there was infidelity and that was normal. So now with women's liberation, the gay rights movement, your sexuality and your relationships become part of your identity. And that is like part of your happiness. It's not just like the thing you do just to do it. And then you put up with whatever you get just because you do. It's like part of who you are is who you are with. It's not all of who you are, right? You get to be your own person at the same time. So it's like this brand new concept. Like it just has never existed before because of the freedoms that we have. Like the only reason that people used to get married was because they had to, to survive. So with all that being said, with like dating and relationships, like, do you find that with your clients, there are like not one size fits all, but like continuous themes that you're seeing with people? Is it like people don't know their self-worth? Is it that they're not really asking for what they need or they just don't actually know what they need? Like what are some things that people who are either listening can kind of do to pick apart finding what it is they need and what they want and how they can get to that point of finding their person? Yeah, I definitely think that one size fits all is bullshit. Um, (laughs) I, you know, there are people that get empowered by that stuff, but the folks that are, you know, in my industry that are just like giving out rules for dating, I don't think that's valuable because, you know, every relationship is different. There are nuances and intricacies in like every two people, like my relationship with my wife, you can't really compare it to my past relationships, right? Like there are patterns that I have as a human that will show up, you know, but they interact differently with her habits and her triggers and her ways to grow and all that. So that's one thing. There's no one size fits all, but I can say themes. Yes. Like you mentioned, some people don't know what they want. I always say this, like when you're a kid, they ask you what you want to be when you grow up, like for your career, (laughs) but nobody really asks you like, what kind of relationship do you want? What kind of partner do you want to be? And so you just keep getting influenced by all of these different things that you see and hear and experience like other people around you or on TV or whatever it is in our generation, right? Reading magazines (laughs) and, you know, you just piece it all together. Like this is the way it is. And the issue is that everybody thinks that their amalgamation of the things they've absorbed is the one way that it is right? They think that this is the one way that dating is. So everybody else should just know that this is how it is, but there are a million ways that it is. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I, I really help people to get honest with themselves, to really throw all of that out the window and see like, what's actually them. What are the things you've just been told and why are you subscribing to them? Do you still want to subscribe to them? You know, once you realize that you want something other than what you've learned, it can be difficult to really learn how to speak up for that, right? It can be scary. Yeah, it's really hard to unravel the patterns and triggers and like start from scratch. Similarly to you, my relationships in the past were not terrible, but they are very, very different from what I had now because I did a ton of work to like find my true self, if you will, which I'm still working on. But like, is it just that you ask yourself or you ask your clients the right questions to find the thing? Or is it like, if someone asks me, what do you want? Well, they're like, oh, like, you know, I want this and I want this and I want this. But then like, 
maybe that's not actually what I want. So I would say that the biggest thing for me, like, and this is what I give from that exercise that I was given, is to prioritize. The love list, right? Yeah. Yeah, the love list. So, and I actually use it for anything in my life, not just for Oh, really? It's like, if I'm not clear about something, then I'm going to really just spill out a stream of consciousness of all the things that I think I might want and then prioritize those things. And it really helps to do that with another person. And, you know, being a coach, one of my superpowers is listening, right? And so I can hear in the tone of someone's voice, whether they're being authentic a lot of times, even if they might not realize it. So it helps to do it with someone who's really skilled in listening or someone who knows you really well, like they have your best interest at heart. It's like, okay, if I ask you, if you're looking at a huge list and you're like, I don't know what's most important, it's all important. Okay, well, let's look at the top two things. Like, why are these the top two things? If you only could choose one of these two, which one would you take? And it's like really doing that deep work because we don't take the time to do it. We're just like glossing over and, and moving through life. And the other thing I'll say also is that it's kind of like a living document. It might change. You have to go out and try it. And then if you're dating and you're like, these are my top priorities and you go and you attract those things and you're like, wait, 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 (laughs) I didn't realize I need this thing. And this thing is way too far down on the list. I'm going to move that up. It's really trial and error and having the support to withstand going on all those first dates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My love list has completely changed from when I was like 22, 23, like completely. Like I used to be like, oh, he has to give me like tons of gifts. And now I'm like, no, I want him to do like acts of service. Like if he cleans the apartment, I'm sold. Like (laughs) this is great. But not even that. Just like, right. Maybe the question too is with a love list, did you get down to like the nitty gritty, maybe somewhat material pieces? Like, oh, oh, he has to have a beard. Like I prefer dating men. So it's, you know, beard. I wanted like this certain type of body type, like whatever. And everyone has types, right? But everyone's like, oh, but you you can't have a type, right? That's really, I don't want to say rude, but like, right. Oh, you're not open to opportunity. But like, what's your take on the whole type thing and like the physicality of everything? Because it does play a role. Yeah, totally. So it's funny that you say that. So when I first started the list, I dumped everything out that, right, that I might want. So in terms of like physical things, I wasn't too attached to how she physically looked, but I was like, oh, maybe she'll ride a motorcycle or (laughs) maybe she'll, you know, oh, I definitely want her to like rub my feet without me asking. Oh, like really specific (laughs) things. That's like a ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So that's why I always said like, include the things that you think are too ridiculous to ask for. The thing is that motorcycle and rubbing my feet without me asking were way down on the list once I did that work. Like they were not the priorities. They're not the things that keep my marriage together. And there's a little bit of magic, right? Because thank God she does not drive a motorcycle. I don't know what I, you know, my younger self thought that was cool, but like (laughs) now I would be terrified if the future mother of my kids rode a motorcycle. Um, (laughs) But um, she does rub my feet without me asking, which is cool. You know, the universe heard that one. Um, So I think it's worth throwing out there, but like knowing what's important, right? And you know what? If your partner having a beard is the most important thing to you and that's truly authentic, then put it at the top of the list. You know, there's no right answer. That's why I always say there's no one size fits all because everybody's different. And like we can have judgments about whether we think, you know, it's valid to have a beard be your most important quality in a partner, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, it has to be aligned for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
Speaking of like qualities and like, you know, your wife rubbing your feet and stuff, what's your take on basically, I don't want to say training, but right. There was a lot of notion when I was trying to find like my person over the years, they're like, oh, you need to like train your man or like, oh, you need to train your partner to like do X, Y, and Z, which sounds like rude, first of all, but it also sounds like BS. Like with the people that you are helping to find these perfect relationship, is there a level of maybe quote unquote training that needs to be involved? Is that just in the way of communicating their feelings and what they need and seeing if that person is open to the idea of it? Or is it, yes, in fact, your soulmate, whoever it is, will instinctually know? Well, first I'll say that these relationships are not perfect. There's no such thing. That would mean that life is perfect and that, you know, there's no ups and downs that happen. It's just not realistic, right? It's not life. I wouldn't call it training, right? There is communication and there is communicating your needs and making requests for things that matter to you. But that's why I harp so much on the priorities. Because if those things are in alignment, let's say the top three to five things, then the rest becomes the small stuff. And that can all be worked out in communication. At the end of the day, I know my wife and I are aligned on the things that are most important to us, then we can work out the rest. It doesn't always feel easy, but it gets easier with time. And some things she does instinctively know. Some things she does that I wouldn't have even thought to ask her for that are amazing. And other things, no, I don't expect her to read my mind, right? Because I'm a completely different person who views the world in a different way and If I want her to be able to read my mind, then I just want her to be me. And what's the fun in that? I might as well be alone. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Diversity in the relationship is nice. Like one thing that I didn't think I would, I don't want to say wouldn't love, but like it wasn't on the top of my priority list was that my current boyfriend, he is extremely explorative when it comes to food. And like, I am not. And so one of the most amazing things is he's always pushing me to try something new. And that just goes, you know, in the way of food, but it also translates in other areas of my life too, through that same lens, maybe not in food, but again, business, whatever it is. And it's amazing how that happens. But I, again, I'm thinking it's not a priority and it wasn't, but now I'm like, oh my God, this was, this is a great, great thing that you're bringing to the table, literally in food, but like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a bonus, right? It's like the things you get to discover together because you know that like that foundation is there. Yeah. So how do you help people build a solid foundation? Because one thing I found from my experience in dating and other people is like you meet someone and it's immediately you're like, holy shit, this is my person, like butterflies, rainbows, like it's amazing. And then as you go on, you start to say like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. And all of a sudden, a couple months later, you're like, I don't like this person at all. And then sometimes it's the opposite. We're like, you don't really like them in the beginning. And then you grow. And then you're like, holy shit, this is my person. Like, what's your experiencing of like building a solid foundation? And like, what's your notion of like, love at first sight versus the growing together thing? Yeah, I think that it depends on the people. You know, I hear people talking often about like what's more important, compatibility or chemistry. That's what this kind of brings up for me. And when you say chemistry, do you mean like sex, honestly? Or is it like, yeah, yeah. Is there other like things? Sex, flirtation, you know, like just that energy that the butterflies you were talking about. But compatibility is like morals and ethics and like I want to have a family and you don't type of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And just also approaches to life, how you deal with problems, how you communicate, all this stuff. Honestly, I think that they're both vital because if you have compatibility without that chemistry, then you have 
basically an accountability buddy that's like a best friend or a roommate like <laughs> you yeah know? and then if you have that chemistry the butterflies without checking on those things that you were saying like a few months in you're like oh wait <laughs> no no I can't deal with that oh wait I hate this then it's just not going to hold water and I think that both of them kind of flow into each other when when they're both present. And so how to build that foundation is counterintuitive. I think a lot of people think that you should wait to have deeper conversations, that you should wait to find out what's most important to people. For me, I'm like, if you want to build a lifelong partnership with somebody, if you're clear that that's what you want, then why are you spending this time avoiding the authentic conversations? Why are you spending time trying to pretend or like tiptoe around the reality of things? And it actually ends up hurting both of you (laughs) if you do. But I mean, how do you have those conversations in the first place? Because like, you're not going to go to your like your first day and be like, so you want to get married? Like, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I I think it's baby steps. Honestly, it's about practicing being vulnerable in any way you can. Maybe it's on the first date, you're like, you know, I actually really hate small talk. Like I feel really awkward, you know, whatever it is, instead of trying to fake it till you make it and trying to be like really cool and like do the first date thing that you think you're supposed to do. Just say what's really there for you. Like you don't have to divulge your deepest, darkest secret on the first date, but you can just say like, this is the thing that I'm scared of. And it could even be like, you know, just testing the waters. Like, how does this person react if I say I'm scared of something or disagree with them with something? And that's actually, I I actually also am trained to lead sexual assault prevention workshops. And that's a tool that we use in there, like saying no to see how the other person will respond. And it's like testing the boundaries, you know? It's like, is this person going to honor and respect my boundaries? And on the flip side, bringing it back to what I was saying before about being scared, like, okay, is this person going to be able to hold space for me if I'm being vulnerable? You know, if you say that you're like nervous about something or scared about something and they react with an energy that doesn't feel good or safe to you, well, then that's information. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) That, yeah, it speaks like especially as women, we like to overanalyze everything. But if it's straight there, like it's right there, you just take it at face value. And I'm like, you know what? This person is actually an asshole. <laughs> like this is not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, they're an asshole for me. There might be someone else that's like, you know, more tough skinned that loves this energy. You know what I mean? And it's like being able to actually accept those red flags as well. I think a lot of people like were like, oh, is this like a pink flag maybe? Like maybe I can kind of deal with this, you know? That's why it's so important to get clear before you get out there or at least start to get clear before you get out there. Because before you know it, you have a backpack of red flags and you're like drowning because yeah. it's so heavy. Yeah. I love that analogy. Yeah. It's like a ton of bricks basically. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of like strategizing and like asking the the deepest, darkest questions and all that stuff, I know when we had talked earlier, you thankfully introduced me to human design and it has completely changed how I operate in my business and also in my relationship. And like, I'm like, I tell my boyfriend, like, babe, you got to take this as soon as possible because I need to know everything about you. (laughs) But like, how do you implement in your business that model? And like, have you found that that works really, really well with finding like the person who makes, you know, brings you joy or whatever it is? Yeah. So I'm pretty new to human design myself, I have to say, and it has been a game changer for me this year. 
I've started experimenting with it a little bit with a few clients and it seems to be opening up some doors, you know, like giving them a little perspective. My favorite human design teachers, they keep saying like that it's like giving people a permission slip to be themselves. And I think that's so important, you know, whether that's human design or something else, just people feeling comfortable to be themselves and speak up for that, you know, like, but in terms of my business, it's been crazy. Um, In a good way, right? Yeah, in a great way. So basically human design, I just love it so much because I never got a chance to get into astrology because I don't know my birth time and human design had a workaround for that. So I like dove headfirst into it. The biggest thing for me with human design was accepting that I don't have as much energy as other types. And I already knew that, right? Like, Well, can, can you get into that a little bit more? Like not, you don't have to go into all the types, but like kind of like, right, there's the notion of like hustle culture. Like how did that not fit in with your type specifically because of the description of it and, and whatever else? Yeah. So there are different energy types, like aura types. And basically the different types have different amounts of energy that they create from within their body, from within their system. And so my type, I'm a manifester for anyone who knows what human design is. I get little bursts of energy. So I can like do really, you know, confined periods of focused work. I'm like, go, 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 go. But then I need like, I was never given a measurement, but just knowing myself now and practicing and experimenting with this, I'd say I probably need at least two or three times the amount of time to rest that I was like working. So I used to just like beat myself up for that. I used to think there was something wrong with it. And, you know, you can imagine being in school or being in a job and always feeling like I'm behind, like I need to keep up with everyone's energy. And I just don't work that way. And I actually, my work suffers when I try to keep up with people that have that consistent energy. So allowing myself to just rest instead of you know, like having this narrative in my mind that I'm procrastinating and there's something wrong with me because I'm not working on my business. No, actually I need to be well. (laughs) I need to be rested. I need to be centered. You know, I need to meditate. I need to eat well. I need to journal. I need to binge some TV if I need to, you know, go, go travel, go on adventures. All of those things actually are fuel for my business because if I'm well, then my business is well. And so how does that translate into people finding their ideal partner or maybe not even that, but like maybe making their relationship better. Yeah. So it's interesting because my wife and I have kind of been navigating our differences in human design before we even knew it. And now it's just like even deeper that we have language to put to it. So my wife is a generator and so she has that go, go, go energy. (laughs) So you can just imagine in a household, like someone who needs a lot of rest and someone who like wants to do everything very quickly. (laughs) There's a lot of conflict there. So um, it's not bad conflict. It's just that we don't approach things the same way. And it's a lot of being able to communicate, I need to rest right now then she will take accountability basically for her own energy and saying like, okay, well, I have this go, go, go energy. So I'm going to work on this thing. That's just for me instead of, you know, maybe she wanted to involve me in something. And I'm like, I'm really not available for that right now. Like I, I cannot, then she'll, you know, she'll go to the gym. She'll work on her work. She'll, whatever she's she's doing. Right. And then opposite part of that is like, the first part is making space for each other and the way that we operate, like me being okay with her, going a million miles an hour while I'm staying back if I need to and vice versa. And then the other part is like actually learning from that. You know, sometimes it benefits me to hurry up a little bit, 
you know, and sometimes it really benefits her to slow down, right? Yeah, it's a nice balance. Yeah, exactly. And so it depends really the context that you hold for those differences in your relationship, whether it's in human design or anything. It's like, okay, we're not going to be identical people. We're not going to solve problems the same way. We're not going to approach the day the same way. How do we manage our differences, hold space for both of our differences, and learn from each other at the same time? Yeah. Now, with this process and implementing human design in your business, like, did you always have this process down pat or kind of like when you started getting clients, you're like, oh shit, I got to figure out something to make a strategy. Like, how did it even fall into place to where now you're like a more well-oiled machine? Well, um, human design is not actually officially part of my program at this point. I don't know if I would even say I'm a well-oiled machine yet, right? (laughs) Like I have a program, it works and I'm always working on it. You know, I hired an amazing business and marketing coach and consultant. Um, Her name is Sunny Lenarduzzi. She's a YouTube expert and and she like basically gives you a business in a box. And so- That's um, awesome. Yeah. So her guidance has really, really helped. And one of the things she always says is like, you want to stay a tactician. Like you want to continue to up-level your business. It's never done. It's never, you know, the best it can be. And I love it because it's kind of like it's an art, you know? It's like I'm testing it with people. It's working for people. Okay, now how can I make it better? How can I make a better experience for them? How can I make it a better experience for me? Because there's also that little pitfall, I think, as new entrepreneurs where you're like, it's all about the client. I have to give all the value and I don't matter. Like, (laughs) but that's not actually the case. So yeah, finding that balance. But in terms of like the literal structure, I just kind of pieced together all that experience that I kind of shared about earlier from brain training to yoga. Like I do some rituals in my program to, you know, the leadership training. And so it's it's just like all of my experience with different types of training that I just kind of pieced together like a puzzle. That's awesome. And did you ever, while you were, you know, even now, maybe while you're still, again, figuring out kinks and like working on like being the most tech savvy entrepreneur you can be, do you ever have moments of like self-doubt or like, oh, I don't know if I'm providing the most value. Like maybe I could have done that differently or like, I don't like how this is going. Do you ever have moments of like that? And if you do, like, how do you get out of it? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's something that's come up for me a lot. For me, this has been a big area that having the support of my wife has really made a difference. I was doing this as a side hustle for probably about a year. And then when we were coming back from our wedding, she was like, you know what, why don't you just quit? Like, just go for it. Just take the leap. And she's always there to, you know, just empower me and and stuff like that. But it's always a balance, like coming back to really see like, why am I doing this? What is my why for me? And what is my why for the world? That little phrase, that question comes from another coach and mentor that I love. Her name is Nisha Moodley. And I'm in her program as well. It's called Soul of Leadership. It's really beautiful. It's like a living meditation. It's like a more like servant leadership vibe. So yeah, yeah. Just always coming back to why and, you know, and coming back and breathing, you know, and knowing that, I will get feedback and it's going to be easy for me to want to like bounce around and just like do whatever every single person's opinion says. But at the end of the day, I have to feel right about what I'm doing. I know that I might test some stuff out and like I might fuck it up and try it again and test something else out. And like, I know that I'm not going to stop until it feels great. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with when it comes to like trial by fire and stuff. And 
I, I mean, I'm not married, but even with my boyfriend or friends and family, like when you lean in and actually ask for help or you have that support system, it makes things 10 times easier. Because at least you got one person and you're rooting for you, basically. Yeah, exactly. And having more people around you that really believe in you, it's amazing. And actually, if I ever have that imposter syndrome coming up, it's amazing what can happen if you work for free a little bit. (laughs) So like, I'll have people that might call me for coaching just because they know that I'm a coach and it might not have to do with relationships, but you know, I have like a, a network of people that know I'm a coach. And so even just offering coaching to somebody without getting anything in return and then just hearing the difference that I make for them. It's like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this. Oh, I am great at this. Okay. Let me, you know? Um, So if you strip away all of the stuff about like, how much am I making? What does the structure look like? All of the marketing and all of the, you know, it's really noisy out there as an entrepreneur. So if you just get back to your craft, I find that that really helps. Couldn't agree more. There's so much noise and you think you need to do everything and it's chaotic and you have to do it all now. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> You're going to be fine. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the best thing about human design too, because it's it's helped me to really understand like how I operate, which is pretty, for me, it's a hundred percent clear. It makes complete sense. And it's funny, right before I had this recording with you, someone else did human design. And she's like, are you a man, Jen? And I was like, I am. She's like, I knew it. I was like, really? And so it, it's just really funny how like it helps a lot and people are great to basically help push you along and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so this has been great so far. Um, I, one of the last things I ask all of my guests is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? So I would say just be on the lookout for, you know, when it's becoming too painful to try to be something that you're not, because it's really likely that the pain of being different is not as painful as you think it is. Just find the people and the environments that accept you for however you are and lean into those. People's opinions that you think matter so much right now, they really don't. (laughs) Mm -mm, No way. Absolutely not. Yeah. I have to say one of the best parts about like running the show yourself is you get to show all those people who said, oh, you're not smart enough. You can't get the job. You won't be able to do that. You're an asshole. Like you're not smart. And you're just like, well, I'm doing my thing and it's going really well and you're watching me. So it's like, you know, but it is fun to be different. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way either. For people who you're basically coaching, I'm sure you have that happen a lot where they are acting one way and you're like, but this isn't who you are. Why don't you just rip the bandaid off and be yourself? Yeah, because it's scary because they've had lots of bad experiences being themselves, right? Usually like as children, we have those experiences and then it becomes really terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it's so important to have support, have a supportive community around you, even if that's just a couple of people right now, like who you feel you can really be yourself. You can really be authentic, say what you mean, and just practice saying what you mean. Just practice (laughs) saying what matters to you as much as you possibly can so that when you encounter those people that don't get it or that have judgments, it rolls off your back or it, it doesn't take a year out of your life or a month out of your life. You know, you might feel the impact, but you can just get back on the path that you know is right for you. Some great final words. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I know a lot of people who are going to basically take this and implement it in their own relationship. I hope they reach out to you if they're looking to find their perfect person too. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Of course. My pleasure. 